quick review. Can anybody tell me what the four classes that we've had so far are? Session number one was called Foundation. Foundation. Session number two, Methods. Session number three, Power. Session number four, Structure. Very good. Now, okay, so we finally got everything together so that if you missed a class, I know some of you have given me your emails. A few of you, I've emailed you some stuff. But it started to get a little too uh, disorganized for me. I got disorganized. I was having trouble keeping track of all that. So we're going to pass around. we got it all set now. And we're going to pass around a sheet. And on that sheet, if you missed a class, then there's the number of the class. You just put a check in the one you missed, your name, and then your email. Email is critical. And then we'll just email you the audio and then in order to complete the class there's questions that you would have to fill out and turn in to get the credit for the class okay so that's going around or will be going around and that's how we're going to handle that and we also have a, a, a spreadsheet if you're not sure what you missed we have a spreadsheet of everybody and the classes that they've taken and the classes that they've missed. So we've been keeping track. So if you thought you were skipping out and getting away with it, no, I'm just kidding. So can anybody tell me why Calvary Chapel Flower Mound exists? Sarah. Oh, can you tell us why Calvary Chapel exists? You cannot. Okay, put Sarah down for redo session one. Okay, I heard one one answer. Yes, Diane. Yes, did you get that, Sarah? Right. To make passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Kim, can you tell us what the core values of Calvary Chapel are? (laughs) That one's easier. Love? Hey. Pressure. Okay, put Kim down for also redo. Okay, so um, these are the core values. Love, grace, simplicity, dependency. I'm glad you said that because I forgot to. No, just kidding. Yeah, put me down for class number one, two, and three. So the reason we're here is, is to make passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And we, we talked about how we're going to go about doing that. And 
talked about the power to do that and the structure that we have from the Bible in regards to doing that. So today, we're going to talk about actual serving. So this is a servants class. So today, we're going to talk about actually some of the ins and outs of actually serving here at church and why that's important and what we see is critical as in regards to serving. It's easy when we serve to forget or not really understand what we're doing and what we're trying to do. And when you start, there's, yeah, Robert, there's problems with those seats. So they're cleaning those. So that's why that's, there's seats right up in the front, guys, right here. I'd love to have you sit right there. One more week? One more week. Praise the Lord. I might let that slide. <laughs> so, um, where was I? Okay. And this really the the motivation behind doing this is because, you know, when we step in ministry, into ministry, or we step into a place from, you know, just watching to serving, then there's a whole nother set of things that, that, that starts to happen spiritually, spiritual warfare-wise, and things like that. And so, you know, at this church, you know, we've been at this for a little while, seeing a lot of different things, and uh, we want people who serve to experience the blessing that it is to serve and also understand um, through their serving how to be healthy in that serving, to be effective, and to be fruitful. At the end of the day, isn't that really what our ministry is all about, that we'd be fruitful for the Lord? So we want to look at a few things in regards to that. Next slide. So number one in regards to serving. What, what is serving? This, at least the way we want to look at it at our fellowship here is serving is love enjoyed and love deployed. Serving. So when we, when we serve, it's an outflow, almost as if you want something to be done about what you feel in your heart. And when that order is reversed, we can get sideways sometimes. When our serving is about a checklist or is about wanting to have God like us more or wanting to merit or deserve something, which... That can easily happen. But serving properly is that it's a person has to have an outlet or an expression for this love of Christ in their heart in a way where it's, I got to do something with this. You know, whatever it is, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. 
and I want to exercise that love of God. An example of that, and that, that's, that's critical. I've found just, just over the years in, in observing my own life and then observing you know, people through the ministry, that right there is very, very critical. In John 21, next slide, I know I mentioned this this morning, I think, but this is a different aspect of Jesus's commissioning of Peter. I want to look at this for a second. His, his whole, Jesus's whole restoration for Peter was based on him showing Peter how much he loved Peter. And that's what Peter was really having trouble with. And God works through this, uh, Jesus works through this explanation with Peter of getting people to, uh, getting Peter to come to the position where he was just overwhelmed by the love God had for him. And that would set the precedent for his whole ministry. Because before that, it was more about what Peter was going to do for the Lord, right? It was more, more about, you know, I'm going to, be the top dog. I'm going to be the one, I'm going to be better than all the other disciples. He was self-sufficient, self-reliant, still in the self. And that led to him denying Jesus. That sort of thing, there's a limit to that because we can't sustain ministry in the flesh. So as Jesus goes through, you know, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? He does it three times. And part of that was because he was completely restoring Peter who denied him three times. And then you notice, so I just wanted to pick up this last part in John 21, 17. So he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And now Peter was grieved because he said a third time, do you love me? And remember, there is a difference in the word love. Jesus was saying to you, agape me, which means, do you sacrificially, unconditionally love me with all of your heart, regardless of anything else, of what I've done for you or what you get from me? Peter, do you love me like that? And Peter's answers before were like, I love you like a brother. And Jesus was saying, do you love me like God loves you? Agape. And he finally, this was the the tipping point. Peter was, I identify with Peter, just very stubborn, very resistant. This was his undoing right here. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you with the brotherly love. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And at this point, so that he, he was touched, kind of like we were talking about this morning, in his inner person, as re, in regards to the depth of God's love for him. He couldn't believe it. And with that, he said, now go. Why was that so important? Because 
like with all of us in ministry, we will only go so far unless what we do is in response of the love of God for us. And a lot of times we have really good intentions and really good motivations, but unless we understand how much Jesus loves us and that his love for us is so incredible and so moving that we would be willing to do anything for him. And Peter finally got there. And he realized, Jesus loves you so much, I don't have to fear failure. I don't have to fear being unfruitful. I don't have to fear what might happen to me. I don't have to fear dying. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. So now, because of Christ's love for him, he could, without reservation, without hindrance, with, without any conditions, he can be all in with what Jesus called him to do. And that would be important because Peter would be killed for his faith. So he needed to be assured of Christ's love for him. And then after the watch, so this is the part I really wanted to key in on, which is often overlooked in this section of scripture. So now Peter's good, right? Look what Jesus says to him immediately. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. What he's saying is, before this point, you were free to come and go as you please. You were free to serve me as much as you wanted and then leave whenever you wanted. But now, because God's love touched, has come into your heart in such a way, now what's going to happen is you're now a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now... Your life is in my hands, and I'm responsible for you. And he says, now, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he had said to him, okay, now follow me. He told Peter, okay, here's what's going to happen. Before this, Peter went only so far in his following of Jesus. He had some conditions. He had some boundaries. And now, he had no conditions, no boundaries. And he was even told, you're going to be killed because of your following of me. That's what, he, that's what Jesus was saying. He was signifying, and Peter was crucified upside down because of his faith in Christ. So this, is, this sets the table for ministry. This is what ministry really is. This is what ministry really looks like. Ministry is not uh, just a, a real superficial 
thing that we get into and then we can get out of whenever we feel like it and if our toes get stepped on then we're out of it and then if some other reason we get back into it and then you know ministry is coming to the place where you say lord here i am without conditions whatever you want here i am and your desire is to be used by God in whatever way, shape, or form. And that in itself is such a moving thing that you're, you're willing, it's okay, whatever happens as, uh, as a result of your service to the Lord. So that's a whole different way to look at ministry. And what Peter recognized is the privilege that it was to serve the Lord. So now as we move forward, it's important to realize that because when you do serve in ministry, as I mentioned earlier, now you step into a different area of spiritual warfare. And, you know, when, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, whatever level of ministry, when you go from the pew to the do. D.O., like you're doing something. It changes the, the dynamic of spiritual warfare. And a lot of people don't understand when you cross that bridge of serving and ministry, you're entering into warfare. And many people, when they don't understand that, and the heat gets turned up, then they will leave the ministry, whatever it is. A lot of times, the verbiage is used like this. The Lord's calling me out of this or to do something else. And I, of course the Lord calls us to do things but usually he doesn't call us to do nothing. A lot of times I've heard people say, God's called me in, now he's calling me out. And in reality, a lot of those incidences is just, you're just using that as an excuse to stop doing what you're doing because it's hard if you're honest about it. Or somebody rubbed you the wrong way or somebody offended you. I can almost promise you when you get into ministry, someone's going to offend you probably. You're going to be challenged in your love for people in ministry. So it's really important to understand your calling. And, and don't please don't misunderstand that. And I'm not saying it's... You know, if you're doing one thing, God, can you do, do, call you to do other things? And he does do that. It's not like, well, you know, I signed up to be an usher. Now I could never leave that. I'm not saying that. I think you, hopefully you guys know what I mean. But when we get into ministry, it's about serving the Lord. And just know and understand that there's going to be things that come up that are going to make it hard to keep serving the Lord. Okay. And it's your calling that keeps you going. 
Next slide. So what is our philosophy at Calvary Chapel, Flower Mound, on ministry? So in the word ministry, it means serving or servant. And Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he uses this term calling himself a servant or a minister. And what are you saying? That's, that's not up there, so if you're trying to find that scripture, but what he called himself a third level galley slave. What's that? When, when Paul referred to himself as a minister or a servant, he was calling himself a third level galley slave. A third level galley slave would be the lowest of the slaves because they would be the under rowers. They would be like in a, a ship in those days. They'd have different levels to the ship. The third level, the bottom level, would be the guys that would have the oars outside of the ship rowing the boat. Nobody would see them. Nobody would give them a lot of credit. Nobody would even thank them. Nobody would tell them how awesome they were. They would be out of sight, but they would get the boat to where it needed to go. Paul called himself a third-level galley slave. And that's a real different paradigm than the world gives. And even a lot of times in church about what a servant is, about what a, a servant is and what it really means. So number one in regards to our philosophy here at Calvary Chapel Flower Mound is when we serve, we're laying our, down our lives for other people. And when you lay down your life for other people, what happens a lot of times you get stepped on. A lot of times you get treated in ways that you don't like to be treated. But this scripture really resonates with me. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, 28. He says this, in regards to ministry, take, take heed to yourself and to your flock. So he's saying in ministry, it's important to look after your own life because your own life is a life that's going to look after other people's spiritual life. And then he says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So the Holy Spirit is the one who calls us into ministry and puts us in places that we can serve. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. And in this case, he says to shepherd the church of God. And then he tags this line on so we don't take this lightly. So somebody in ministry, somebody serving, especially anybody that's overseeing a group of people. You're taking care of God's people. How does God feel about his people? And how should we look at those people that we're caring for as shepherds? Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's how Jesus felt about his church. That he was willing 
to do whatever was necessary to the point of death to make sure those people were properly taken care of, that they properly knew God, that they were properly protected. And so Christ, if, if, if you have people that you're ministering to, Christ is saying, those are my people that I died for. And that's why it's a little bit of a pet peeve to me when people get in ministry and they don't care about the people that they're ministering to. They don't love the people. And that can happen where ministry just becomes about, it's just my thing. Ministry is not about our thing. Ministry is about the people. And if we don't love the people to the extent where we would lay down our life, and for us that means even more likely it means that we would be willing to be inconvenienced for the people, we'd be willing to be offended, we'd be willing to not be appreciated by the people or whatever, but we look at them as these are God's people that he died for. And that's that's how effective ministry happens, that these people have been entrusted to my care, and I want to care for them like Christ would want me to care for them. So number one, that's laying down your life for others in ministry. Number two is washing people's feet. So ministry in Calvary Chapel is not about being in a position or anything like that. And, and over the years, that's rubbed some people the wrong way because they wanted a title or they wanted a thing. They wanted a designation. We're not big on that sort of thing here. Because what we are big on is washing, washing people's feet. I want to read from you uh, this portion. It's not the whole thing, but it's from John 13, starting in verse 12. And I'm sure most of you know the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, which is, was very shocking to them. And when we serve people like that, it's, it can be very shocking to them because people aren't used to that sort of thing. So it says, when, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down. And I could just picture the disciples all looking at each other like, what just happened right now? And then he explains it. He says, do you know what I have done to you? And I can imagine saying, please tell us. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And then he says, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know those things, blessed are you if you do them. So ministry is simply about 
touching people with the Lord. That's how we can look at washing people's feet. Ministry, I can't emphasize this enough, ministry is about people. Ministry is relational. Ministry is about serving the people. It's about waiting on the people. Ministry is about blessing people. So it's, it's really important that we, we understand that our connection with the body of Christ is important. It's not just doing stuff. It's connecting with people through the whatever we're doing. And then the third one is joy helpers. Have you ever looked at ministry as I'm helping people with their joy? That's one of my favorite scriptures. It's like my job description, joy helper. 2 Corinthians 1.24. And I love this because Paul, Paul's saying ministry, whatever capacity, it's not about controlling and power. It's about empowering people in the love of God. So he says, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers, and that's important. We're all in this together. It's not some big hierarchical system that we're all in this together as the body of Christ. Jesus is the hierarchy, right? He's the head, and we're all the body parts, all serving Jesus Christ. But then he says, we are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. So when we serve the Lord and we're washing people's feet and we're laying down our life for other people, what we're doing is we're helping them understand the love of Christ through how we're serving. And when somebody understands the love of Christ, then there's the joy, right? I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, but that necessitates the need for the proper countenance and attitude when we're serving. If we're joy helpers, then it's important that we have the right attitude in our serving. So what if we have a bad attitude in serving? can't believe I have to get up today and sing praises to the Lord in front of people. <laughs> Those little kids in there, I can't believe they just irritate me. So, hey, and we can all, we can fall in those traps, right? Because we're getting attacked. We have to be very careful. We're going to be attacked to serve, get this, without love. And some of the hardest times for a minister or servant of the Lord is driving to church on Sunday or Wednesday services. The battle can rage in there. So be careful, take heed to yourself, and keep yourself in the love of God when you're serving. Next. So what are the requirements to serve here? Well, I hope this is, the first one's really obvious. You have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You have to be born again. You have to have a real relationship with God. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that one. Number two, this is not up there, 
But you have to take these classes. <laughs> Forgot that one. <laughs> Number three, this has to be your home church. Why does this have to be your home church? Well, we've certainly had in the past people that go to another church and our church, another church and another church and our church, another church, another church, another church, and our church. And you say, well, if somebody wants to serve the Lord, they should be able to serve the Lord. And I get that. But there's a problem here because within the leadership and calling of this church, that there has to be unity of purpose, but there also has to be some sort of accountability. Why? Look at Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey those who rule over you, and the context is in a, a church context, and be submissive. Why? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account and let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you actually so or for anybody so to be a home church means that you know we don't have a, a thing where you become a member of our church through classes and all that we pretty much feel like anybody who wants to come here we are glad they come here and they could be a part of this church. They can call this their home church. But when you get into serving, it's the same thing is true. But you have to be excited about the calling of this church and what God's doing for, through this church. And you have to have a, a unity of what our purpose is and say, you know, I'm into that. That's exciting for me. That's a place where I can call my home, where I can grow, where I'd be uh, excited to invite friends and I'd be proud to, to have people be a part of that church. So to serve in this church, you'd want, this has to be your home church. You'd have to call this your home church. Next one. Another requirement in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 8, and also 9 through 13 and Titus 1, 5 through 9, you will have uh, qualifications spelled out for us of elders and also deacons. And there are two different categories. So we, we spoke of this before in our structure, but an elder would be an AKA for a pastor. And there are certain qualifications for a pastor listed there. And then a deacon that word is literally translated minister or a waiter of tables. And that would be somebody who handles uh, the physical needs of the church. So a pastor, elder would be more involved with the spiritual needs. And then deacons, if you wanted to uh, categorize that, would be helping with the physical needs of the church. But there's requirements. And all those requirements can be simply summed up as you have a walk with God. You're born again and you have a, a walk with God. So those are important. And, and so we do recognize that there is, is more re responsibility. Obviously, the um, more of your calling, the Bible says, let not many of you 
become teachers, but you could, uh, will incur a stricter judgment to who much is given, much is required. And then there's a difference, a little bit of a difference if you read the qualifications of elders versus deacons, a little bit of a difference there. So, um, so that's important. And then the second thing I just mentioned, you have to have a personal walk with Jesus Christ. Meaning if your sum total of your Christianity is, is coming on Sunday morning and serving, and that's pretty much your whole thing, much better to step back and sit at the feet of Jesus in the sanctuary and learn and grow let Jesus touch your heart. Remember, ministry is an outflow of that. It's very important for you personally and then for the whole church that you're walking with Jesus, that you have a personal walk. The church depends on that. And that's why the Bible says to stir up your gift. So now when you get into ministry or get into serving, now there's a interconnection of the body of Christ. So what you do then in your private life outside of church becomes really important and impacts the life of the body of Christ. So John 15:4 says in regards to a personal walk, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And a lot of times we minimize what we do to the extent where it doesn't, we don't think maybe we need to pray as much. We don't enter into the service in a way where we're seeing the gravity of the situation. You know, we have a, a tendency to sort of look at different ministries as bigger or better or greater or more. But whatever we're doing, our personal walk with Jesus affects our ministry. And the church needs each individual believer to be walking with the Lord on their own. Next one. So now we summed up a few more requirements. I'm just going to kind of buzz through things here. So what are some of the other requirements? Well, one is just to have a commitment to what you're doing. I think we kind of talked about that before. But the, the church is, it can be really hurt when people don't fulfill commitments. And I say that a little hesitantly because I don't want you to feel this burden, like guilt or any of that. That's not what this is. Hopefully we laid the foundation and the foot, the groundwork to get you to understand if the God's called you to something, don't be really flighty about that. But understand what the will of the Lord is and understand that you're serving him and you want to give your best to him and you want to 
give your best to what he's given you the privilege to do. The, the next thing that kind of goes with that is just be faithful. And if you talk to any pastor or leader, or if you're a, a ministry leader here, you know how important that is. Because, man, if, if you have a group of unfaithful people that you can't, can't, can't count on, it just holds up the ministry, and it becomes very frustrating. And that's why it's important to just really consider when you get into something if you're going to be able to be faithful to it. And that doesn't mean, you know, I'm sure all of you or most of you, you know, you're working, you have other responsibilities. We're not talking about that. Please understand my heart. Okay, this isn't a legalistic thing. There's flexibility. We get all that. I get all that. I understand all that. It's not that. It's just being faithful to what you're called to do to the best that you can and honoring God in that. So I hope you understand my heart. I don't want to make that a legalistic thing. It should be pretty obvious that if, you know, that that if you work, you know, you kind of have to go and be on time. That kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, hopefully I don't need to digress on that. But the other thing, this may be a little more surprising, but when you get into ministry, all of a sudden there's accountability. And here's the thing. There's this uh, observation that I've noticed over the years. What happens is a lot of times in ministry, God has been working in a person's life to grow them. This is one of the beauties of the body of Christ. God uses the body of Christ to grow us. And a lot of that growing is accountability and being able to work with the group of people, being able to come under guidance and leadership, which is an affront to our pride, our ego. And a lot of times, and I'm speaking from experience, everything could be so great until you say no to somebody. And then all you know what breaks loose. What do you what do you mean no? Why you know and that sort of thing. And now there's you have to go right back to being poor in spirit. James says wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit. And so when you're in a structure in a in a body of Christ structure, you have one of the greatest opportunities to grow because you're able to grow in denying yourself, in humility, in trusting in the Lord. So this is really valuable to understand this accountability that, you know, and leaders, your leaders probably hate this. They hate talking to you about things that are uncomfortable. Your leaders hate calling you on the carpet. They hate, but you know what? We need that. And if you've been at this church for a while, you know you're, that's going to be rare. 
You're not going to have people going around calling everybody out in the carpet. But it's a rare thing, but it's necessary. Accountability is necessary. And it should always be done in love. But if you're in a ministry and you have a ministry leader, there may be come a time where they say, hey, you know, I'm a little concerned about this or I don't know about this, that kind of thing. And right there, I've noticed, is an issue that keeps people in the same wilderness for years and years and years. And a lot of times they leave because they're upset and they go to, and how do I know? I know all the pastors in Calvary Chapel around here. They tell me, hey, did this person go? Yeah, they went to my, what happened? See, you're not hiding. But if you do that, get to a place where you finally, you can be accountable and say, you know, I am a sinner and I thank God for putting people in my life that will help me grow. But see, this is a critical issue. I've seen this happen over the years where people, they come to a church and they're really excited and they go on for a little while, but inevitably it happens every single time. You and I will get to a place where we will be confronted with that issue where we're not trusting the Lord and we have an opportunity to either finally lay down our life and say, you know what, Lord? I'm sorry, I lay down my life. I submit to you, Lord. I trust you. Or we have a chance to get mad and leave and stay in that same wilderness from church to church and church. I'm saying that from my heart because I've seen this. That may be one of the biggest problems that we've had within the church is a revolving door and it always comes down to the same thing. There's a, a desire for independence and not work within the structure of the church body because of an issue in our heart that we don't want to submit to the Lord and we will stay there forever. Like the children of Israel in the wilderness will stay there forever. And it ultimately it comes down to a pride issue. I got to really hurry up, but there's a lot I can say about that. But also service attendance that to me should be obvious too but we talked about that is it's so important what we do here on Sunday and Wednesday is the lifeblood of the church the teaching the worshiping corporately and not just Sunday Sunday and Wednesday if anything Wednesday is really at the heart of what we do that's the meat and potatoes here to miss those and to serve, one is, if you're in ministry, is to miss worshiping with the people that you're, you're ministering to. And that's important. But then, two, then to be counseling, advising, and talking to people about things without hearing what we've been talking through through the Word of God. That becomes very difficult and can be a disconnect where people are getting different advice or different um, things said. So now there's not a unity of purpose. Now everybody's just kind of winging it. But the church that is regularly 
going through the, the word of God together is, is literally on the same page. And so to serve without worshiping corporately, if there's a big discrepancy in that, then that's a, that's a problem. And I believe it has to start with worshiping corporately and then ministry goes out from that. So, and that's hard, you know, we don't go around and checking attendance. And again, I hope you hear my heart on these things. A lot of these things I don't share with the whole body on Sunday or Wednesday. But I'm sharing it like with you because you're the heart of the church here. Okay, this is the core of the church. You're the ones serving. You're the ones right in the heart of it. So that's why I'm sharing these things. So the next thing then is is eagerness. Another way to say that is that you're excited about serving the Lord. That's important. If serving the Lord is something you're guilted into, pressured into, um, you feel like you have to do it, that's not the right attitude to serve the Lord. When you're serving the Lord, there should be an eagerness to that. And then the next one, of course, with the corporate body of Christ, there has to be unity. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a whole session on unity at the end, so I'm not going to touch on that too much, but obviously that's important. And then we have a a six-month requirement for serving, which has some flexibility built into that, depending on your references, where you came from. But, you know, we've had, the reason we have that, we've had people that have come here, and, and this is usually the case, um, people want to serve and they're really excited like the first three or four times. And then things can happen in that period of time or in a longer period of time where you start to realize or they realize that that enthusiasm is quickly ended and now they're at that place where they're confronted with those issues that they came to this church in the beginning for and now they don't like it. Now it's the worst church they have ever been to. That's funny, but I, you can ask Robert or Paul or people that have been here for a while. You would probably be shocked that how much this happens. If you heard how many times people said this is the greatest church they've ever been to, and then this is the worst church they've ever been to, you'd be think that God's schizophrenic, you know, like, is the Lord working in your life or what's going on? So the six-month thing is basically, if you're going to serve, we, we need a commitment, we want you to be faithful, we at least want you to know, this is where I want to be. This is my home, these are my people, you know, this is where I want to be. So that gives a person a chance to sit for a while, to say, hey, you know, this I, I see God working here, I see a movement of God here, I the people, there's a love here. The word of God's being taught. I want to be here. You could go six months and then seventh month you can decide you hate it, but it may take longer. But at least six months gives you a chance to flesh all those things out. Anyway, okay, next one. So, we really got to move quick. 
So now we're, this section, we just want to talk about like leaders. So we have, you know, servants, people serving, but then, you know, God raises up people in leadership positions. And our thought is our philosophy, if you will, one is taken from Peter, first Peter five, two and three shepherd, the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, not because you're forced to or guilted into it, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, which nobody really gets paid here. So (laughs) right now, that's not as much of an issue. I get a salary, but other than that, there's not a lot of financial incentives. But Dishonest gain can also be you want to be in position or power. And believe me, you, well, that's happened a lot where people come in and and grab for position. That's probably one of the first ways that we would recognize that that person needs to wait a long time before we'd even be considered for any kind of leadership. Um, Then verse 3, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So leadership is being an example to people. Next slide. So to be in positions of leadership, it's really crucial that you see your life as, as one, or should I say better yet, other people see your life as, as, as an example of a follower of Christ. And then the second thing in leadership, it's a calling. Okay, positions of leadership, it's a calling. Hebrews 5.4, no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. And that, that calling is important because... When you get into positions of leadership, it's the assurance of your calling that keeps you going. Because what happens is our false motivations for being in leadership all get burned away. So that the only thing that's often left is that you're serving God and the people because you're called to do that. And that's, that's the only thing that will last and will sustain you. So I don't think that we need to strive to be leaders. I think we need to strive to be faithful in whatever we're doing, and God will raise those up as he calls them accordingly. I like the calling of David, the least likely, right? Nobody had ever thought of him being a leader, and look how that turned out. And then another example, Hebrews 4.11. He himself gave some. That's the key there. God gives some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, of Christ. So God does that. Next slide. The next thing about leadership is remember that God raises people up. He's the one that does that. There has to be a maturity 
in the believer's life, that he's been put in situations and tested and tried. And then, of course, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Absolutely critical. If we have a church full of leaders who are not full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, serious problem in the church. Next slide. And then this one. Ministry is influence. That's an important way that we have to look at it, that that God has put put us in a position that as we live out our faith, God has allowed us to influence people towards the Lord. Why is that important? Well, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, says you are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read by all men. You know what that means? That means that you, you are a walking Bible. That means if you're in a position of leadership especially, that your life should point to the goodness of the Lord. Your life by what you do, how you interact, that, that people should be able to know that this is something like it that's in the Bible. That people, and, and really that's one of the identifying factors of someone in leadership is that you see people desiring to want to follow them or be like them. And we're not talking in cultish ways. We're just talking, hey, there's something about that person where I want to be around that person. There's a love to that person. There's a depth to that person. There's a joy to that person. There's a quality to that person. Okay? So, influence. And then he says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ, a letter. Epistle is a letter of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is the heart. So ministry is influence, influencing people for the sake of Christ. Next slide. Read for sake of time, 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 16, which basically says, People will know by your conduct who you really serve. Next slide. So what about drinking, smoking, social media, politics, all that stuff? So what do we believe about that? Well, we start off with ministry as influence. Ministry is influence towards what? Towards Christ. If you're in leadership, your all-consuming passion is to influence people toward a relationship with Christ. So now all these other issues start to come in play about, well, what can I get away with and still be a leader? Or what can I do and still be in this position, in that position. Now, when it comes to drinking, the Bible's very clear about, in those uh, 1 Timothy verses, difference between elder and deacon. 
An elder, it says, not given to wine. A deacon, it says, not given to much wine. So there's definitely some kind of distinction there. And if you like to drink, then you, you should look at that and consider that. That the, your, your drinking is definitely going to have a limited factor on your progression in leadership. Let's just say that. Why? Because ministry is influence. And you know, maybe a lot of you, some of you, and I know for sure our whole church body, many of those people, even people in leadership, have come out of alcoholic backgrounds, drug backgrounds, things like that. With that being said, then should a person come to church and then have to deal with the promotion of drinking? I say no. And why? Look at um, this other law. And it's called the law of love that we would go by here. And it's in Romans 14. You can read it for yourself, but I want to look at this. Because it's very specific. Paul says, yet if your brother is grieved because of food. And this had to deal with, you know, food dedicated to pagan gods and things like that. If your brother's grieved by it, you're no longer walking in love. So what they were saying is, this food is dedicated to idols, and, but they're saying that doesn't even matter. Those idols are nothing, so I can chow down on all this meat I want. But at the same time, there's somebody else who's struggling with that, and your eating of this meat is causing them to stumble in their faith. So he's saying, if you're going to say, well, I have liberty to do this, and I don't care how that may affect other people, then you're not walking in love. And then he said, don't destroy with your food the one in whom Christ died. So in verse 19, he says, therefore, so therefore, so because of what he just said, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things are pure. It's, it's not about the food. It's not about the drink, the occasional drink. If you have liberty to do that, he said, there's something bigger that's governing all that. He says, all things are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. And then he says, it is good neither to eat meat, and then he includes drinking, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. So this is the law of love. And this, so this would feed into these kind of social issues and social media and politics too. So in our fellowship, so there's a certain level of accountability. And I think the more or bigger role that you have in leadership, the more important this becomes. And so especially when you get into leadership positions or a pastoral position or elder position, 
then these things become very crucial. And if, you know, that, that we have to be so careful, even with our social media now, that's a new thing. We have to ask ourselves, is this thing I'm posting, responding on, critiquing, whatever, commenting, is this influencing people to Christ? That's what should govern us. Not, I got to say my position, I got to weigh in, I got to say my thing. No, that's not what governs us. What governs us is, is this influencing people in the love of God, in the love of Christ? So drinking issues, smoking issues, vaping issues, social media issues, politic issues. In leadership, we have to be willing to lay down something that may be our right and our liberty for other people that may be stumbled because of that. Okay? So, that's that. Phew, that was a tough one. Next slide. So this is the last slide. I'm running over a little bit, and I apologize for that. I notice each week it gets a little, little longer. I don't know what that's all about. But. So the last thing I want to talk about is just ministry pitfalls. And these are some of the things that can happen when we serve that we need to be careful about. And one is burnout. So how do we deal with burnout? Well, the thing is, we have to ask ourselves, first of all, are we called to do something? Right? Sometimes burnout occurs because we do something that we're not called to do. Okay? We're all called to serve. But sometimes we get into things and we, we do it maybe because there's a need. And we have needs all over the church, by the way. So... If you need something to do or get involved with, we have needs, right? But we get burned out. Here's the thing. The spirit never gets tired. You remember Peter said, the spirit is willing, but the what? Flesh is weak. Our our flesh gets burned out, not our spirit. And burnout occurs a lot of times when, when we start to do things for the wrong reasons, when we're not walking with the Lord personally, or when there's sin in our life. Not always, but those are some of the issues. Or we get bitter, some bitterness. We start, you know, we don't deal with that bitterness. And so we get tired, we get weary. But I have to tell you, there's, I never get tired of doing this. I never get tired of studying I never get tired of being here Sunday and Wednesday. I never get tired of being with you. I, never, I get tired when my flesh gets involved. That's when I get tired. That's when I want to quit. That's when I want to. So it's, it's important that we do things in the spirit because when we do, then it's a delight. What we do is, and you know, I do believe, Take vacations, take time off, get away. You got you to gotta take care of yourself, right? If our flesh gets tired, take care of your flesh. Get your sleep, have fun. You know, do things that are fun and, and do things for yourself um, so you have the physical energy, eat right, get sleep. Those are important. So that's my thing on burnout. Ministry idol. Another thing I've observed over the years. 
when ministry becomes our identity, when ministry becomes a thing, if I didn't do this anymore, I don't know what I would do. I'd just die and fall apart. Ministry should be held with an open hand. God gives, he takes away. But you know what happens? When we hold on to our thing so tightly, it's my thing. Don't mess with my thing. You know what? Things change a lot in church. They really do. Church is not static. It's a dynamic organization. And God is moving. And we want new life. We want new wineskins. And we want new oil. But what happens when I do this really hard and open it up? There's no blood flow, right? Did you see that? <laughs> you know, you can strangle the life out of ministry because you're whole, it's my thing. Don't mess with it. You mess with it, you're going to get this. <laughs> you know what? Ministry should be like this. God puts in, God takes out. And you know what? God likes to do new things. Did you know that? He likes to do new things. He likes to keep things fresh. So keep ministry like this. It's not about our thing. It's about him. Whatever he wants to do in our life, that's what really matters. Don't make ministry an idol. And I've been guilty of this, so I, I have personal experience about that. Um, agendas. So what's that? Don't, don't come in having it all figured out. I, had, I have so many stories I could tell you if we had time. I had one guy one time just started coming to the church and told me that God's, he's my assistant pastor and God made him my assistant pastor. Oh, whoa, who are you? Immediately he went grabbing for the mantle, so to speak. Little did he know that's the first sign that somebody shouldn't be serving in ministry. Alarms go off. Boop, boop, boop. Ushers, keep an eye on that guy. But then he had followed me around everywhere. Like, nobody else in the church existed except for me. Those are, th those are red flags. That's a problem. I'm not the ministry. I'm just one. The people are the ministry. And that's how you know, you know, somebody that doesn't have agenda, they're just enjoying the fellowship and people. It's real easy. They're not striving for anything. So watch that. Another thing is sanctification. I talked about that already, but that's the thing where the Lord starts to work in our heart. And like I said, one of the greatest ways he does that is through involvement in the body of Christ. And it starts to hurt. We start getting separated. We, you know, have to deal with all these people. And a lot of times it's like, man, ministry would be so great if there are no people involved. <laughs> that is the ministry. And we're hard. We're hard people. You know, I'm hard. You're hard. We're difficult. We're sheep. We're all, you know, matted hair and just running off. And we need God to do. We're messed up. So deal with it. Don't let that be shocking to you. The Dead Sea. What's that? Water goes in. Nothing comes out. That's why it's the Dead Sea. There has to be an exercising of the things that we're taking in. And that's where we serve, right? So we become dead. Ministry becomes a dead end when we're not taking in and giving out, having a good balance 
because and that goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you don't enjoy being in here with the people worshiping God together, then ministry might not be for you. If you hate being in here or you don't like going to church, ministry might not be your thing because you have to go to church a lot, <laughs> you know? And you have to be with the people. That was, that's really important. And to me, it's really important that the people serving here, that, that we're worshiping together. We're just not, you know, doing things in other places. So that's important. Um, power trips, that kind of goes into the agenda thing. Striving, strife. Sometimes people can be really difficult. And strife, and sometimes... People have a contrarian type of attitude. What's that? You say yes, they say no. You say blue, they say red. You say black, they say white. There are sometimes some people that every single thing you do and say, there's a fight. Okay? At some point, you have to just trust the Lord and rest and know that God is leading the leadership and the direction of this church. If you can't trust that, then you should find a church where you can trust that. You can trust that the Lord puts you there and that there's an anointing on the leadership and the direction. So you don't have to worry about every little thing and say, you know, I don't know about that, I don't know about that. And a lot of those things, another personal experience things, a lot of those things are much to do about nothing. It's, it's complaining and nitpicking about little things that really, at the end of the day, they don't even matter. What, we're just trying to make passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about all the other stuff, right? So, yeah, so that's that. The last thing we already talked about that is this proper submission. One, the Bible says to submit to one another in love, but then the Bible also recognizes that God calls people to certain positions to give account for the body for the flock hey for your own sake let them do it with joy hebrew says for your sake let them do that with joy and then the last thing the martha syndrome i'm sure we are familiar with that but it's the lack of devotion and intimacy with god and just doing 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 and then being mad at everybody else for not doing so, yeah, so for sake of time, we're going to end it there. And I ask you if you have any questions. And if not, we'll finish up. And I'm, I apologize. For, I don't know what happened, why I went. So I think it was this, but <laughs> not sure. If, if, I'm, if I, coffee stumbles, you guys, let me know. I like coffee. I like coffee, so I hope it doesn't stumble anybody. Any questions, comments, concerns? Yes, Karen. Influence and example slide. That one. Yes. Yes. Okay. First Timothy four twelve through sixteen. And that's the one about don't let somebody despise you because of your youth. But then it goes on and explains what to do and how to be an example so people can look at your life 
and see God working in your life. That was an easy one. Any other questions? And yes, Kurt. Is the six month for you guys to see how people act and behave? Um, it depends what it is, you know. Um, the six months is primarily just to make sure that this is where people want to be. That's the main thing. Um, through that, you know, the six months, we can check references to make sure, you know, if you came from another church and there was a problem there and you just came here, we would want to know about that. It's not the end of everything, but we would want to know, well, why are you coming here? Why are you, are you running from something? Are, are you leaving some unfinished business there? You know, I don't know. But I think the main thing is just to make sure the person wants to know that this is their church. And then, you know, through the different ministries, I think we have very strong ministry leaders and people that when a person gets into the ministry and the ministry leaders start working with them, then, you know, then they can get uh, the next level of trying to see who they are and things like that. But, you know, if you're going to be a pastor or an elder, then, you know, that's a whole different thing that, you know, that's a pretty heavy thing. And you want to make sure that that person has experience and you want to make sure that that person fits into the body here. You know, that we've had people that are just really great, godly people, but they just don't, in a leadership capacity, you know, whether they have a different doctrine, like a pretty radical different doctrine or they have a different way of ministering or seeing people. Um, those are all things that we definitely want to know. So did I answer your question? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, putting people on blast. Um, well, here, Alex, here's the thing with that. I, we're not going to monitor how long people spend. That's not the issue. The issue is what, you know, if you're posting pictures of yourself naked, you know, that's an extreme example, but just, you know what I mean? If you're on there saying, saying bad words, you know, cussing, and what you do and how long you spend on social media is between you and Zach, but... <laughs> But we're more saying, and you know, the more involved we get in the church, the more you represent the church. So if you're just putting out all, all this stuff that's not glorifying the Lord, there, there has to be a place where, you, you know, somebody in our leadership position may talk to you about that and say, you know, that, that's not really, are you sure you want to do that? That's not really glorifying the Lord and you're representing the church, and that's not, you know, so there's a responsibility there. There's a professor from Fresno State that just got, I guess, fired or laid off because she's said things on social media that didn't accord with the policies of the school or, or something like that. And so, it's, you know, it's a little different. We're a, we're a church, and 
you know, we don't have a big staff or anything, but at the same time, you have to use common sense and say, at first, you're, you're a believer in Christ. Your ultimate desire is to win people to Christ. So a lot of times, in, I'm afraid of the next election because the last one was so divisive and so...